What's going on, beautiful people? This is Mr. No Excuses and my man, Jay. What's going on? What's going on? With another episode of the Hidden Truths Podcast, where we provide therapy through conversation, restoring trust and community advocacy, one conversation at a time. What are those skeletons you've been hiding in your closet? What are those uncomfortable conversations that you need to have that may be holding you back from your progress? The more we talk about it, the more we communicate openly and honestly about it, the more we can start trusting each other. The more we start trusting each other, the more we can start building and growing with each other. So that's what we're here to talk about with the Hidden Truths Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe. We're available on all social media platforms and all listening platforms, Hidden Truths Podcast. For this week's Community Spotlight, we want to shout out actually one of our guests in the studio, Miss Shanae Bird, with Who Am I? It's a nonprofit that helps people get over issues, traumatic experiences that they may have been through in their life. Uh, since she's in here, I'll let her speak to it a little bit right now. So, Shanae, tell us a little bit about Who Am I? Because we want to shout you out on this lovely Saturday. Go ahead. Um, Who Am I is a nonprofit organization. What we do is we help lift, inspire, and encourage young women to through the healing process after traumatic experiences. But we use different forms of art, such as rap, poetry, dance, um, to help express themselves because they can't verbally express what they've been through and want to talk about it amongst someone else. So we try to give them opportunities to use the arts as a coping um, to get through their experience. And we try to push them to still be successful in life. So we try to push them to career, uh, focus on careers such as teachers, doctors, lawyers, and let them know they still can be successful in life even though they've been through documentic experiences. Cool. All right. No doubt, no doubt. Well, glad you could join us today. And we got a few people in the room with us, but before I do a round table, I want to go ahead and bring in today's topic, code switching. So for those who do not know what code switching is, Code switching, a lot of times it's used in the realms of corporate America, where you have to, uh, you, you tend to act one way around your inner circle, your close friends, but then in corporate America, you switch and almost wear a mask and become something that you're not. You start, talk, you start talking different, you start dressing different, you start acting different to try to fit into that corporate uh, environment. So. I want to talk about, you know, do we feel, especially as uh, black folks in uh, corporate America, or just in America in general, uh, do we feel it's necessary to code switch? You know, have you ever yourself had to code switch? And even outside of corporate America, even in the social setting or dating, for instance, code switching in those realms as well. So that's what code switching is. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we dive too deep into the topic, we want to get a quick round table to see who we got in. So starting off to my left, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sound off. Steve Jenkins in the building. What up, America? Back again. Um, glad to be here on the Hidden True Podcast. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Uh, it's Joseph Smith, also known as Light Skin Joe. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, all that good stuff. I am Light Skin Joe. Uh, but thank you for allowing me to guess. Appreciate you being here. Vaughn Heath, what up? Man, a few words. Well, y'all know me. This is Jamie, your boy. Signing in. All right, all right. And uh, we already got Miss Shanae already. So we got a room full today. So we want to get some interesting perspectives. Um, first of all, we'll go ahead and start it off. Um, want to get y'all ideas of what does it mean to be on code? So I'll go ahead and 
responded that myself. So when I say being on code, that basically means being true to who you are. You know, whatever your core principles, values are, whatever your true beliefs are, who you innately are as a person. That's what being on code is, regardless of what environment that you're around. That's my perspective on it. So Steve, what about you, man? What, what do you think it means to be on code? What comes to mind when you think about that? Uh, I just think about your behavior in, in corporate America around individuals that don't, don't look like you. How do you act? Right, right, right. Um, we all, I, I, at some point, act a different way in environments, especially in specific corporate environments. Um, now, do you think would, that's specific to black people or people in general? I think it's specifically to black people. Um, but I can only, I'm only going by what I've seen and experienced firsthand. So okay. I can't really speak to other different other cultures. But I think specific for black people because we we have so many stigmas surrounding us um, that we try we're conscious of it and we try to avoid uh, you know giving some providing some validity to those stigmas or those uh, stereotypes. So I think for the most part it's more of us that's just having to watch what we say our actions around individuals that doesn't look like us mm. <clears throat> okay and so i'm gonna throw this out here too and i'll get to the rest of everybody to respond to this next piece um and i'll give you an example too um about code switching um i was watching i think it was a couple years ago i saw like a little snippet of uh what's the show that whoopi goldberg was on and they had it's like a little morning afternoon show the view the view when i think i specifically remember her saying um you know she doesn't like to eat watermelon around white people because of the stereotype that i uh, agree <laughs> <laughs> everybody likes watermelon though. like that's the problem. yeah absolutely that's the like, thing everybody yeah, there's nothing wrong with fried chicken and watermelon like it's just right good. Yeah. but we just should, get that negative don't, you don't eat it at work you just don't <laughs> Well, I do. I don't need fried chicken at all, but I will fuck up some watermelon but regardless I think of the scenario. If you have a fruit salad and a cut up pieces of watermelon, <laughs> that is okay. But don't be coming into work spitting out seeds, spitting out seeds <laughs> with the green rind sitting on the corner of your desk, talking about I brought some watermelon wedges to work. No, you brought you brought chopped watermelon. Fine. Yeah, but the green yeah, I don't think anybody's going. That's who you are. If that's who I am, if I like to have me a little watermelon mm-hmm. at the desk, isn't that who I am? Well, see, I, I have your same perspective now as I get older. Right. Why, as I get older, why, I don't care. Why do we? Why do we feel like Yeah, why do we feel like we have to code switch? You know, yeah, code switch. Why do we feel the need to do that? Now that I'm getting older, I'm like, I really don't care because I'm going to be who I, I want to be, I, I, who I am, around individuals that don't look like me and around individuals that do look like me. So back in the day, I mean, when I was younger, I always looked at people of color who act a certain way out in public, talking all loud, cussing, doing what they want to do. And I always looked at them flame like, man, could you tone that down? You know, that's people that don't look like us could, is looking at us. Could you be but, a little but, less black? Yeah, could you be a little <laughs> less black? But, but at the same time, white people don't turn it down when they get irate and out in public. They don't, when they get flustered or they speak with individuals they get passionate they don't turn it down they're not conscious about what they're saying or what they're what what type of actions they're you know portraying out in public so, so why should we so i have a question though and that brings it back to the code switch aspect you wanting that person to quiet down just a little bit and just quote unquote act normal mm-hmm. was that appropriate for the setting so like is code setting necessarily 
code or code switching necessarily i'm acting a certain way because that's how the environment i'm in i'm supposed to act that way like or is it only because i'm a black person and i'm a white person and this is how i'm going to be perceived because if you were you you're not going to curse at church right right there's a code right with you there's a code of how you act and how you dress when you go to church there's a code of how you act and how you dress when you go to work there's There's a a code code of how you dress and act when you're around your mama there's a code how you act when you go to the club so are you code switching because that's just natural human behavior or and i do 100 percent agree there is a level of code switching that happens in corporate america that you're like oh i might need to tone this down i might need to tone that down that could be negatively portrayed but at the same time you wanting that person to like why are you acting like that in in this i don't know why yeah, are you in cut, harris teeter in harris teeter why are you acting like this in harris teeter <laughs> And and they got fresh fruit sitting right there. But at, the, <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, I'm gonna give you the same slack if you were at at Food Lion, if you yeah. were at Compare Foods. Why are you acting like this in a grocery store? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So so my thing is, I'm specifically, I'm not talking about specifically the environment that you're in. That kind of because obviously the the environment kind of dictates your behavior to a certain degree. I'm specifically talking about really altering who you are. Really like in turn like. I, I see a lot of black people actually start talking different. And when I say talking different, because I know a lot of people listen mm-hmm. to it. Oh, you're talking about, oh, you're you're not using slang and all that. Like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like your cadence in your voice is no longer what you typically use. Um, that's true to who you are. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I mean. I, in think, terms of code I, I, I think there's two levels to code switching. I think there's cooning. And then I think there's the traditional level, I guess you would say, of code switching. Can you explain um, cooning? Because <laughs> no, no offense, no offense. So, like my uncle back at home, if you get on the radio, like if you go to a country city and you get on the radio and they like the DJ is yelling in the club, that's what he calls. He's like, yo, they cooning on the radio. No, that's <laughs> so, not my definition. So that's just called they just hype or whatever. <laughs> cooning, I mean, just niggas being niggas. We know that right now. <laughs> Cooning, I mean, basically, if you're at work and your boss come over and he's like, hey, Ernest, how are you today? You're like, oh, boss, yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. How are you? How's your... You know you ain't that talkative in the first place. And then... He don't to, talk like that. So, I, I mean, just basically putting on this big charade or this big act for mostly white people. I yep. mean, let's just be honest. Because about in corporate it. America, mostly, that's usually right. what you're dealing with is middle aged right. white males. So, so oh, that, I mean, Cooning in, in that sense. You acting like or, Uncle Tom at work? Or, yeah. or you know, Uncle you can Tom. call it Uncle Tom. And then, and then there's, and then there's um, a, a certain level of professionalism that you still have to bring to the job. So, in my line of work, I do instructional design and training, learning development and stuff. So, sometimes I'm speaking in front of people. If I'm just kicking in with the homies, I'm from the South. A lot of times, I don't, I might not enunciate a lot of my words, but when I'm teaching, I'm making sure because I, I guess you could call it a switch. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, and maybe that's the code switch, and I don't know. But at the same, at, at the same point, I know when I'm with my homies, I'm more relaxed in terms of the words I say. I'm not gonna just come in my my work and be like, "Yo, what up, my nigga?" You know, yeah, right, right, like right. I'm not gonna do that. You know, I'm gonna be mindful of that, but it's because it's a certain level of professionalism. But when I'm when I'm when I'm with y'all and I'm with the homies, 
it's a little bit different. Yeah, but I don't consider that code switching though. But but that's some just, people may. I, it's a personal yeah, preference. For, for for the purpose of this podcast, like, that's what gotta, I'm not you considering. Gotta keep code it real. I'm like, yeah, like, don't I, don't keep it real. Unemployed, right? right. <laughs> so code switching in your definition is you you turn turn the switch on and you're a completely different person around different people. Like you right. can't really. And you can actually see it. You can okay. actually see it. Okay. Like for instance, you're at lunch. You might be, let's say me and you are walking together at lunch. You know, we chit-chatting it up or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then as soon as a white person walks by, you start talking completely different. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by code switching. Not because necessarily the environment that you're in, but because you're trying to fit in. Oh, nah. That's I, what I'm I, talking I, about. I, I, I wouldn't even want to work in a place where I feel like I had, I had to, to do, do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, because I'm a director. Can you hear me? I'm a director for a huge head start center. So I run the largest site. So I have to have that. <laughs> I have to basically, when I'm meeting with parents and different things, I have to put on, not put on, but of course, professionalism is a big deal. Um, but then when I go to lunch, like he was just saying, with a group of the employees, like um, we could actually laugh, joke around, and I can, I'll say, switch it up a little bit. But I still remain professional, professional around everybody. So I think it's just more so professionalism that you mm-hmm. need to maintain. But um, I don't think you need to switch up who you are because I'm going to stay myself yeah. no yeah. matter what. But it's just that. And I find myself even talking to my family different because of the role I have. And I actually learn when you're a leader and you're in that top role, you kind of learn some things as far as professionalism. And you're not changing who you are. You're just actually growing. Yeah. 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 I feel like if, if if it's compromising my personality and my integrity, then I probably don't need to be there. Um, I, I haven't yet been in a situation or with an employer where I felt like I, I like to joke around a lot. And that's what I do in every position I've had in every company I've been with. And I've been with Wells. I've been with SunTrust. I've been with Duke Energy. I've been with different companies. And I've never once had any issue with somebody you know saying that hey you need to tone down your jokes you need to turn up tone down your personality because i'm a very gregarious person and that's just who i am and i i I think steve kind of said it once you get to a certain age you just like look it is it it is what it is like I'm, i'm not about to sit here and be you know this 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 mute Mm-hmm. Because it makes one or two people feel uncomfortable. Von just not use the term gregarious, whatever that gregarious. <laughs> that code switching Please right there. It. That's code switching. <laughs> yeah. I ain't never heard of them use that term Please right now. I don't even know what that means right I there. I was Gre- about to Google Gre- that word. I, I'm right with you, Steve. I was going to use the context and I felt confident to understand where you were going. But I was like, gregarious. Gregarious. Do I need to add that into yeah. how I define myself? <laughs> it means sociable. Gregarious uh, code so, switch. So I, I just just to let y'all people know, he is a future contestant on what game uh, show, sir? On Jeopardy. Uh, oh, he is actually gonna be on there. He's gonna be on there. He is. Uh, yeah. No doubt. No oh, doubt. Oh, gregarious ass man. I, <laughs> I will be. I'm, I'm not an official contestant yet, but I've taken the test a couple of times, so I'm, I'm working on that. Okay, so you you okay, got you, got you. So I I think it's interesting too. I, sometimes you gotta look at you know the type of job you have too. Not saying you should change your way, but in different settings you're around such people that may not even understand. Like I'm in an IT setting now. I know Steve is too, and the type of people we're around is sometimes totally different. You got when you're in that setting. It's like you can you you can be yourself, but they might not even understand who you are or understand you. 
Well, so. I go through that a lot, man. Um, especially, and probably all of a lot of us can relate, but most of the meetings that I go to, I'm the only black person or one of maybe a couple. You know, when I'm on conference calls, I'm usually the only black person. So when I'm with my group, I say shit that they have no idea what it means. Like a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I was talking about wearing a toboggan. My uh, supervisor thought I was talking about a do-rag. <laughs> Matter of fact, I didn't even realize that a toboggan is actually a wooden sled. So I'm talking about a toboggan. Like, we know, we in here know what a toboggan is. So when you wear when it's cold. Yeah, that's a toboggan. Now I say toboggan. Now I say toboggan. Something to toboggan, go on your toboggan. toboggan. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's just, you know, some of the differences that, you know, a lot of people, black people, might not even feel comfortable talking about. You know, like, that's what I consider kind of cold switching. When you won't even necessarily feel comfortable expressing yourself and not to say that you have to be vulgar in doing so but you don't even want to breach the conversation like I had to explain the difference between a do-rag and a toboggan I had to explain what bougie meant because they didn't know what that meant but is that cultural is that is that more it's so cultural. Like a cultural difference because yeah it's it's cultural but it's code switching in the instance where you don't even address the difference for the sake of being afraid to fit in yeah like if you wouldn't okay. if you wouldn't address it i think you would have been code switching right you would have just walked away you'd been like all right whatever but for the other side of it you took the time to explain right so like and they're actually like, intrigued by it they're like oh right they hmm, learned something new interesting like me too i didn't know a toboggan was a sled been That's using fair. that word wrong apparently but even like, so, so like we didn't know a word Bond just said either, right? So okay. that too, we're all learning today. <laughs> but even for example, like I, whenever this conversation comes up about code switching, I have a particular example that I know I straight up code switched at work. Mm. And so there was an icebreaker. We we're working in a group. Um, I used to work in audit, and we were working in a group. We we're kicking off an audit, and the icebreaker was, "What are you listening to on your iPod?" <laughs> now, first off. <laughs> You were asked, and this is probably I know where this is going. This was like about six or seven years ago when I first started off my career, and when they asked, I know I was listening to Two Chains. <laughs> Two Chains, like what? What was the album? Literally, the album with like Two Chains on boats. The front of it. Yeah, Boats. Yeah, Boats had just came out, and so I'm like, all right, this is what I'm listening to. I'm bumping it hard. Look, if my headphones came out at work, I probably would have gotten in trouble, like straight up. And so they asked, they're like, Joe, so uh, what are you, uh, what are you listening to on your iPod? Nope, Justin Timberlake, twenty twenty. Wow, code switching. He was palatable, Dang. palatable to have this conversation with four other with, white people, uh-huh. two two which were women, and two which one was an older white male, and then a male white male that was maybe two or three years older than me. Did anybody else say they was listening to that too? The white dude that was like two to three years older than me, he was like, yeah, I love that. Yeah, you're my friend now. <laughs> Let's go to lunch. There are good was, ones. And so, <laughs> I'm like, and like thinking, See, I told you. Uh, I told you. But thinking back about it now, so this was like, I was like maybe 20, 25, 24, 25, first job. And I'm like, fit in, fit in. This is what right. I got to do. Now ask me what I'm listening to. I'm going to tell you straight up and be like, look, you probably might want to check it out. I don't know if you like R&B or not, but like, this is what you should listen to. Or I'll at least send you the edited version. Like, I'm not going to, you're not going to get M-bombs and everything in the music that I'm just going to send you as a white person. But I think that's, that's like one particular example where I know I straight up could have, I could have taken the opportunity to like be myself at work, but I was like, nah, I'm not. 
I don't even feel like going down that uncomfortable road about explaining why Two Chains wants two big booty hoes for his birthday. Like, <laughs> I, just, I didn't feel like explaining it. And, I'm sorry. No, nah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I I think I kind of take the the opposite approach in that, and I don't know if anybody else feels the way I feel, but. I actually kind of like making white people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> like yeah. I, I actually enjoy that, and now and, I do. I, I will say that I do. And I, I'm not saying that life. like in a in a prejudice or a racist sense. I'm just saying like I, I, I've had so I used to be a trainer where I had to go travel to different states and different um, cities and, and and train people on our um, systems for this mortgage company that I was working for. And in the process of doing that, I was a handful of only black guys in the company and I was a trainer so everybody had to listen to what I was saying because I'm at the front of the class and I'm t- you got to use the system in order to get paid so in in any class is 10 to 20 people and the 95% of them are going to be white people and they're going to be middle-aged white people at that so like much much like you kind of had a situation where you did icebreakers I like to do icebreakers as well so I may ask you know what who's your favorite artist or whatever and and i participate in it as well and every so often you get a i'll say what's your favorite tv show you get a lot of seinfelds and Mm -hmm. friends and cheers and what's your favorite show martin martin (laughs) martin martin Um, what is that what i never heard of that so now i got now you gotta explain explain but I, i i don't I, I didn't mind because I'm like, hey, maybe they go home, they watch it, and they might like it. I, I don't know. It was recently in the news, there was this guy that uh, got fired. He's a CEO. Of a Tupac. He got fired because he used to send quotes out to people that, that was from Tupac. Tupac yep. Six-year-old <laughs> white man got fired <laughs> you because know. he's emailing people. He's obsessed with Tupac. Quotes Quote. about Tupac. Mm-hmm. He, he had Tupac just, Friday at work. You just never know. <laughs> like, literally, you just <laughs> never know. And I, I think for us as black people... Individual black people who actually coach, which I think you're doing your culture a disservice because mm-hmm. there's very few people of color that's in those settings, that's in those meetings, that's in those environments who can articulate themselves, are educated, but still love the same music that people who are not in those settings. And to show that just because we like this certain type of music, we speak a certain type of way. We dress a certain type of way. Does it mean that we're educated or we can have those type of conversations, those business-like conversations with people you can do, can do business with? So I think you're, for people who actually code switch, I think you're doing your culture a disservice because they we already have this, this, this stigma about us that we're loud, obnoxious, you know, some not very intelligent. And I think those stereotypes come from, you know, type of music rap has this negative connotation around it already as it is so just because you listen to rap doesn't mean you're not educated doesn't mean you can't articulate yourself so i think when people of color who code switch i think you're doing a disservice for your culture you do that right? I think is, white people like rap music please don't like don't get that twisted i don't know if y'all been to a concert at the Fillmore recently every time you go to the Fillmore, any rap concert there's yeah. majority white people like yeah. like real talk Majority of white people are there having a great time singing along. I'd be looking at them a little less. Mm-hmm. They say the N word. I'd be like, look, right, man, right, right. I know it's a lyric, <laughs> but you got to chill. Yeah. There's a lot more of us in here than you think. But at the same time, it's like, like you said, if you don't, if you don't break, branch out and show somebody something about yourself, 
they you're doing a disservice they don't get to learn about you you feel pent up at work but even on the other side of that though i will say as black people we have to do other things than everything stereotypically black because like go ahead no i was just gonna ask um you brought this up at the beginning of the conversation before our time is up. I want to, what other situation would you be code switching in? I, I, we're talking about work environment and stuff, but what other situation would we code switch in? Church? Church was mentioned. I, I don't know if it's considered code switching, but me, like, there's a certain level of respect that you have when you go as. I, I think it fits kind of in the same category of work. It's a certain level of respect that you go into work with professionalism i guess we would call it well, with churches i say in relationship settings um relationship. so so let's just say me, me and vaughn both married um i act certain married way. to separate people married to women married to women two separate <laughs> women <laughs> in two different households in two different beds <laughs> in two different states <laughs> but uh but let's just say, for instance, that uh, I'm in a relationship um, with, I mean, me and my like, of course, me and wife have a relationship, and I act a certain way towards her in my relationship. Maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, I act like an asshole in my relationship. But when we go out on double dates or in a setting with other couples, He's I, a gentleman. I turn a switch on. I'm, I'm, I'm America's best. Husband out here. So well, that's cold switching. Let's not even put it on the guys. Let's put it back like when you bring somebody to your mama house for the first time. She don't ever fix your plate at home when y'all be at home. Mm. But then as soon as you get to your mama house, oh, you gonna fix uh, my, gonna plate? my plate uh, now? You, why you acting brand new? <laughs> keep that same energy. Yeah, keep right, that right, same right. Energy. I think that's I, I yeah, that, that, that's considered cold switching as well because you're being something that's not organically yeah. and innately you. So. Who was the comedian that said he was on the movie? He was like, when you're around your girl, you be like, hey, honey, and all that. Mm-hmm. But when, when you get out with your boy, you wait, like, where <laughs> the bitch is at? Yeah. Is that cold switching? That's cold switching. Oh, okay. That's still cold switching. That's, that's still cold switching. Don't act like that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't act like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times, going back to what you were saying, Steve, about doing the culture disservice, you're absolutely right because. It, um, it doesn't give anybody a chance to truly understand what this person is about. Like, my coworkers, and like I said, I'm around predominantly middle-aged white men. Um, they know I like cognac and crab cakes. I ain't got no shame against that. <laughs> yeah. Pass the hand on. Who, <laughs> who doesn't like crab cake sandwiches? I'm just saying. <laughs> Not to say that's anything that's stereotypical, but, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if it is or ain't, but... Nonetheless, Just that combination alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that sounds like a kickback, cognac and crab cakes. Um, but nonetheless, I have no issues with being who I am. Now, I'm not going to be as vulgar at work. Obviously, I don't cuss as much. But a lot of the stereotypes that Black people have, you know, loud, obnoxious, uh, boisterous, whatever the case may be, that's in any culture. That's in any race of people specifically in middle-aged white men. So it's it's crazy how we get those labels, but it's true for everybody. But then we try to make ourselves, uh, we try to rock on eggshells because we don't want to be judged. But in essence, you're going to be judged anyway. And that's why people tend to code, that's why black people tend to code switch because 
they don't want to be judged for being what some would call being too ethnic or too black. So there's a point where code switching is okay. No. No. So why? And the and the realm that I'm talking have, about. But if you have a Caucasian at home that wants to shoot up shoot up the job, but he comes to work and he's like, "Well, I can't do that." I think that code switching is just fine, right? That's not code switching. That's, that's you did with killer. Yeah, you're just <laughs> well, a murderer. I mean, you, you hiding it, so. Hey. <laughs> Look, co- please coach. You, 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 <laughs> Turn that shit off you, before you get in here. Yeah. You kind of threw me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> that ain't goes with you. But another thing, though, like, for example, like I ride a road bike. Most black people don't ride down the street in spandex and a carbon fiber bike. And yeah, that's a... And things like that. But I had other coworkers that introduced me to that and they were black. And I was like, first off, y'all ride bikes. Like, and it's, but it's challenging. Hold on before he finishes. When he did this, I actually did it too. I was there the first time. I had so you had on spandex pants. I was there. Oh my God! Where's the pictures at? The video. There's I'll never wait. a picture of me on my bike. I this promise was, you. <laughs> nah, that's funny you say that. I remember that joke. It was me, oh you, God. and Terrence. We rode out yep. that time. He was like, "Oh, so three try. black men in spandex on bikes." Well. But the thing is, but like, when, but when you think about it. <laughs> No, actually, but on the other side, though, on the other side, I, I wind up getting into cycling. I have a $1,200 bicycle at home. Like, if you talk to a lot of black people, you're going to be like, you spent $1,200 on a bicycle? I ain't spending 200 <laughs> Right. <laughs> but there's there's that type of stuff, like craft beer, that a lot of black people just stereotypically, we're in Charlotte, don't drink. So it's like, when you can have a conversation outside of what the you stereotypically are you might actually find some of those things that you like so just always trying to be the blackest of the black stereotypical person i only drink hennessy you missing out on a lot and you not yeah let's say you're not living life when you do that right there man you know, yeah you know you're not you're, you're not being well versed so yeah. I, I think i think there is a fine line of between being you know well versed and and being in, in code switching like he'll tell you like i love music all kinds of music. I've seen songs from the Chainsmokers, and I've seen songs from Ellie Golden. Y'all probably don't even know who these people are. But, but then no, I'll I'll also switch it up, no and I could go on for days and days and days when it comes to hip hop and R and B. So I can do any genre of music. Um, but I, I think that part is just being well versed. But most of the time, if somebody asks me like, "Who are your favorite artists?" I'm I'm gonna name probably the most hardcore artists there are just because I like pissing them off. <laughs> so just curious, just go around the room. If y'all could name something, Joe just gave a good example. If you had to name something that you say is out the norm of what your regular, I guess, code would be, what was something you tried or ex- experienced that you you know want to try something different? So for me, skydiving. You crazy as hell. But yeah, anyway, man, all yeah. right, yeah. okay, you got it. God built this nice plane and you want to jump out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Anything usually once, except for anything that's going to be putting my life in jeopardy. Uh, probably like deep sea fishing so 20, tr- for 24 hours. You tried it before. Yeah. That was pretty fun. The worst. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 24 hours 24 is a long time. hours with nowhere to sleep. That sounds painful. Nowhere to and sleep. can't swim. Yeah. In the middle of the ocean. That's why you're on At the boat. At night. Yeah. So... Maybe you should try six hours next time or four. Try it not at all. (laughs) Joe, you got any other ones? Uh, Like, I like to go hiking. I swim. I'll go out to Lake Norman, go out and swim. Uh, I have a hammock. I know that's random. What what black person doesn't love hammocks, man? That's that's true. Love naps. But, like, no, the thing is, like, when you think about it, I went, so I went to, I went to PWI for undergrad. So I went to USF down in Tampa, and these kids would have hammocks tied between the trees and i'm like 
that looks so, looks relaxing. so relaxing and cool. But at the same point in time, I was never going to do it while I was on campus. When I bought my new house, I got some trees in my backyard. <laughs> I went and bought me a hammock. And when I tell you, I can go out and sit in the hammock and read a book and chill. And I'm sure my neighbors are looking at me like, what the hell is this dude doing in his backyard? But it's something that's totally different and relaxing. And then, like, even hiking Crowder's Mountain, you'll go up the top of Crowder's mm-hmm. and you'll see people literally chilling in a hammock. So, um, I, I'd probably say growing up, um, I did camping a lot, like, like outdoors, just like sleeping outdoors and sleeping bags and stuff like that. Um, with some of my uh, white friends that introduced me to it. And it, it wasn't bad. I can't say that I was a huge fan of it, but it wasn't bad. Um, also, um, just like I say, like like music wise, like I love, um, I love eighties rock. I love grunge music. Um, what is grunge music? Nirvana. Oh, okay. So it's like like a, just you bang your head against the wall too. Nah, that's more hardcore rock and roll. Grunge music, more so. It, I, I don't know if you ever listened to any Nirvana, but um, it's it's not as it's not hardcore, but it's not pop. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like something that finds a common ground. Where you still got some electric guitars in there, and you still got some drums in there, but it's not like super hardcore. So it'll be our version of uh, maybe neo soul, kind of neo hip hop. Yeah, that's a good way to. That's a good way got to it. put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just a, a connoisseur of music. Okay, gotcha, like gotcha. I, I was on a paintball team. Oh, a paintball team. Okay. Yeah, me and a whole bunch of other Caucasians. Funnest thing in the world. I don't know. I don't know about being around a bunch of Caucasians with guns. <laughs> Nonetheless, I understand where you're going. It was dope. Though. I, I tried it. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I spent like two, three years doing it straight. It was fun. Though. It was yeah, paintball so, was actually fun. So I guess the question is, do you think we as black people do not try things outside of what is considered black because we're afraid of what people may think? Or we just, anything that we're not, you know, uh, that's not the norm to us that we just, you know, we just toss it aside. We don't really give it a chance. Like, why do we, why we're not open-minded? Because we're late adopters and we wait for somebody that's so-called cool or trendy to make us want to do it. Like, if you really think about it, until a couple years ago, black people really didn't travel as much as you think. Now it's so cool and people want to post stuff. They travel all the time Mm -hmm. or they're doing different stuff. So I think that it's just... We didn't, you know, we didn't think it was the thing, the it thing to do. But once it's the it thing, oh, we're doing it now. So, well, I think, uh, I think one thing that happens with that, as far as things being trendy, is that most of the time we're inventing the trends. It's just that it's not glamorized and popular until it's adopted by mainstream society, and then it's packaged and resold to us. Uh, for example, you know, now it's pop, it's popular to twerk. Oh, we've been black, black women been twerking about 20, 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Y'all are just catching up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's popular to wear, um, you know, the rips in your jeans and all that. Well, cats been doing that for like 40, 50 years ago just because they couldn't afford jeans that didn't have rips in them. So that's a lot of times what happens with those trends. But to your point, Steve, I think it's one of two things. One, um, yes, we are scared to get outside that box because once you get outside that box, you know, it's a little uncomfortable kind of being on your own because you're kind of, you know, you got almost the rest of black America looking at you like, why are you doing that? That's not what you should be doing as a black person. So the other side of that is, you know, a lot of us being 
close-minded two different experiences because we feel that oh black people ain't supposed to deep sea fish or black people are not supposed to uh have hammocks or go skydiving or whatever the case may be so a lot of us just have this closed-minded mentality and it really shuts off your growth when you do that so you really have to open up and expose yourself to different things otherwise i mean you know life is vast there's a lot of things that you can experience out here and once you do it you realize oh this is actually kind of cool oh this isn't anything that's cultural specific like i'm just sitting in a hammock or i'm just deep sea fishing like yeah. i think it also goes down to exposure too though mm-hmm. like a lot of the stuff we're not introduced to as children yeah. because either financial restraints or even our families weren't exposed to it so yeah. they're like what so on the other side like for me like going out on a lake driving a boat being on the water is something that i was exposed to when i was younger so it's like i'm inching to always get to the water or be on the boat or like somebody's like oh we rent a boat on lake norm bet i'll drive i'm good i know how to do it been doing it because i was exposed to it when i was in like elementary and middle school cool. because i had friends blessing enough to have friends that had type of disposable income to have a lake house to have a boat to have jet skis and stuff like that so i got that early exposure and now when i talk to my friends they're like wait you know how to drive a boat like at what point in time did you learn how to drive when i was 10 like what are you talking about yeah it's normal to you you couldn't drive a boat at 10 (laughs) i thought everybody drove boats at 10 right but like but that was what i was exposed to so that was what my normal was and then so now I think as we get older, we get to decide what we're exposed to. So that goes back to the open-mindedness aspect of it. Like, there's plenty of people that be like, I've never gotten on a plane, but all it takes is for you to buy that ticket. And right. once you get exposed to it, now you realize that it, wherever you're at, it's, the world's a lot bigger. Well, so I always like, thought white people would swim with the dolphins <laughs> until I actually did it. Right. I was scared. I'm like, but I actually did it. But I see so many black people. When they go traveling, like he was saying, they, they travel more. Yep. And everybody's like, I'm going to swim with the dolphins, I'm going to do this. But everybody's like, they're crazy. Only white people do stuff like that. I wouldn't go near the dolphin. Yeah, I got pictures with a tiger. I got pictures with a cheetah. And when I show my my mom does not have a passport. And I showed it to her. I've been like, Ma, you got to get a passport. You got a passport. Get a passport. I'm taking you on a trip. Still have not got her passport. But <laughs> whenever I come home with all these pictures, she's like, were you scared? Were you? I was like, nah. Like it wasn't. It wasn't as scary as what it looks. But to even expose somebody else to being able to have that opportunity, like, yo, you can go do this too. You don't have to just look at my pictures. Right. You can be on that same. Way. It's just. It's just. It's just. Just listening and just just analyzing this whole situation. Just <clears throat> thinking about how much an effect the systemic oppression even had the the effect systemic oppression that we encounter. Uh, the effect that it has on our decision making and, and the things that we do on a day-to-day basis to just enjoy life in itself. Because to go back to what your point was that you don't try things that you wasn't exposed to, but you wasn't exposed to those things because you probably wasn't financially set up to actually to be able to afford to actually do those things. Yeah. So therefore you don't know. And it's all part it all goes back to the systemic oppression that we are faced with that ultimately impacts the decision making that we have from day to day as far as just life in general yeah because like i said if you didn't have the financial means your family didn't have the financial means to um you know introduce you to you know boats and lake rides and stuff right that right there you probably wouldn't even you know anything about that right there so yeah. i like i said just it just it's just telling man it's just telling how much behind the eight ball we have been as a culture as a society i mean with our with the black black society um 
and how it just affects us, man, just moving forward, just just day-to-day things and our decision-makers and just try new things. Yeah, and I even liken it to, especially like here in Charlotte, like I go out, I got black friends, white friends, but you'll go out and I'll wind up buying a craft beer, right? But I have, I still have friends to this day that will- To this like, day? But this like, day. <laughs> not even just but like, they're like, I don't drink beer. And I'm like, first off, I don't drink beer. And that's and that's fine. That's fine. But at the same point in time, I look at it from a cost perspective standpoint, right? <laughs> so you, mm-hmm. what's your drink of choice, E? Henny, Remy, Cavassier, Douce, all the yeah. expensive shit. Items of the nigga that yeah, got money. Yeah, cognac. Items of the nigga that got money. Cognac, cognac right? Yeah. Cognac and, so, and bourbon. So cognac and bourbon, right? So when you go to the bar, you're going to spend how much on at least one drink? On a regular night, not a special. 10 to $12. 10 to $12, right? I'm going in, I'm getting craft beer, a high I'm gonna get IPA that has a great flavor, great flavor profile, because I've tried different beers and I found what I like, and I spent eight dollars, you spent twelve, and we're gonna get to the same point. I'm gonna be a little bit fuller because it's beer, but it's cheaper on my wallet. So, but if you just walk through life without saying you didn't wake up and like Hennessy. Like there's no way that you just woke up <laughs> and you like cognac. Like Yeah, he did. It, 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 it was in the bottle. Hennessy in the sack. Yeah, put put this on your gun. Put that on your gun. <laughs> All right, you might get that. I'll give you that. <laughs> but it's, it was an acquired taste, right? Yeah, right, it's right, an acquired right. taste. Same thing with any other beer. And then, but what we'll say is, or a lot of people be like, oh, I'm not going to go to a brewery as black people, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you acting? Why are you going to a brewery? Like, brewery is cool. It's chill. It's cheap. It's something to do. It's somewhere to kick it and you have a conversation, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same point in time, if you go to a brewery, there's like four or five black people. Mm-hmm. Right. But I'm not code switching because I'm still having my same regular conversation with my homeboys. Right, right, right. I drove up, listened to what I was listening mm-hmm. to. I just happen to enjoy a product that this person is selling. So I'm going to go there and feel comfortable being there where I think sometimes we won't like we're not exposed to it. We didn't try it. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough black people like literally conversation all the time. When is it going to be a brew with like more than five black people that we can like all go and kick it? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that it comes down to exposure and then even just trying or even the willingness to try something different. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because what ends up happening, you know, kind of bringing it back to what we're talking about with code switching, you know, you get so used to just fitting in with your inner circle that when you get introduced into an environment where it's no longer people that are are just black. Now you feel like, okay, now I have to figure out how to fit in because all I've been exposed to is just people that look like me. So it really, you know, in turn just really inhibits your progress and your growth. At the end of the day, you know, you really have to be true to yourself. Obviously, you have to maintain a certain level of professionalism and respect depending on the environment that you're in. But don't let that uh, change your your core of, of who you are. And so that's what I really mean by this whole code switching thing, because I see too many people, too many black people feel like they can code switch their way up the success ladder and it never happens like that. You don't have to do it that way. Nah, you don't. don't it ain't going to happen. People, Be true to yourself, man. Right. Because people know what's true and what ain't. And people don't respect anybody who's a chameleon. It's really what you can consider code switching. You're wearing a mask. So if you are this way around this group and this way around this group, then who are you really? Yeah. And because I don't know who you really are, I really can't trust you. You really don't know who you are. I, yeah, you don't even know who you are. <laughs> I was just about to say that. You don't know who you are. <laughs> exactly, because you're trying to fit in so much. And I'm going to close it out with this example um, of code switching. Not that I've ever done it, but I had it done to me, actually. Sitting outside, um, lunch break one day, um, partner walks by. I ain't going to drop no names. 
but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already know where this is going. Partner walks by, you know, the homie, whatever, whatever. And uh, he's with a, uh, a white counterpart, co-worker or whatever. So when he introduces me, <laughs> he says, uh, hey, this is my, my co-worker here, Ernest. I'm thinking, hold on. I thought you <laughs> was my homeboy. <laughs> co-worker? co-worker. We ain't worked together in about 10 years. <laughs> I thought the person you was with was your co-worker. But that's an example of how some people will switch it up. Because me, if I come across somebody, if I run across one of y'all and I'm out with my coworkers, I'm gonna still say, "Hey, that's one of my homies. That's one of my partners." I still, I still use that same vernacular and terminology without. And I'm gonna still dap you up. As yeah, the if, same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It ain't gonna be like no, no sturdy. Yeah, handshake. that that changed too. I'm giving you the sturdy handshake. <laughs> if I'm at work, if I'm at work, I'm giving you the sturdy handshake. I can't do it. Come on, oh, brother. Man. Come on, brother. For the culture, for the culture. We are not dabs and hugs Uh, when I'm with my manager because I'm not going to do that with my manager. You ain't real, nigga. (laughs) I I, I, I know we pressed some time, but I just got to ask, why why is that? Because then I feel like my manager going to want the same treatment. We ain't cool like that. Like, it's just not going to be the same. So it's like, nah, straight handshake, cool. I don't think your manager is going to dap you up. But even, I'll even just give you a dap, but like the whole... Embrace, like, bring everybody. Nah, we not doing all that. Not at work. I do that with some of my coworkers, some of my white coworkers. I don't yeah. care. It's always yeah, an awkward, weird handshake. I don't care if it's the CEO standing right there. If my homeboy walks up, I haven't seen him, and I'm in the workplace, and it's all just a hello. I'm going to dap you up like I do any other day. Show me some love. Show me some love. That's like that video with Obama. Like, he shook yeah. everybody's head, yeah. and then he got to the black right. dude. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, pulled out. <laughs> my hero. Absolutely. So with that, y'all, we're going to get ready and wrap this thing on up. Um, as always, we appreciate everybody who's been rocking with us on the podcast, on this journey for Hidden Truths, and hopefully helping to get some people to think a little bit differently about maybe some of their stereotypes, maybe the way they approach life, because at the end of the day, that's really why we're doing this podcast, to really kind of breach and tear down a lot of those walls that we uh, as people, not even just as black people, but as people have built up. So the more we understand each other, the more we can really start growing with each other. That's why we do what we do. So we appreciate all of our guests for joining us and rocking with us. As always, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or if you have any topics or just feedback for us, shoot us a DM, Hidden Truth Podcast on all social media and listening platforms. And as always, kings and queens, stay up. We out. Yeah.